You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Up ahead, it goes to Marner from the goaltender. Shot scores! What a play by Samsonov! He saw the Bruins changing. Pushed it ahead to Mitch Marner, who snaps it home to tie the game. A.J. Greer trying to work in and scores! Greer with his fifth of the season that have done the damage against Toronto here tonight. On the post, trying to get it in front of shot. They score! Guard truck in front of the net! And now Bunting is in the middle of everything back of the goal. Saka with a shot and scores! That is not what you wanted to happen there. Let's get it into the slot, a pass and score! Pavel Saka was right at the side of the net and he was unmarked. And a lot of the faithful are starting for the exits. Well, not very faithful, in my opinion, if they're headed for the exits, but I understand the traffic downtown gets bad, and it was 5-2 last night for the Boston Bruins at Scotiabank Arena. As we welcome you into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050, Julia Tesheri and Mike DiStefano with you. Talk about Groundhog Day, AB. I know both games this year have been really close, but I don't know if we'll ever truly be removed from the emotional wounds that the Boston Bruins have left upon us um, as a city, as a fan base, as an organization, oh, as a Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah, especially, you know, third periods in particular, right? Third periods It's a touchy subject. Yeah, yeah. And last night's exactly what happened, right? Like, clearly it was not, it wasn't 4-1, right? It, it wasn't that, but, like, the Leafs last night... You know, the, the, I don't think the score is indicative as to how close that game actually was, surprisingly. Like, it was, they were in it until pretty late into that game. Like, it was 2-1 after two periods. You could get into that game, and then it was 3-1, 3-2, 4-3. fourth goal, though, that Samsonov allowed, can't happen. Just no, can't allow right. that goal. Zaka, it's like 50 feet out, seeing eye shot. I, I just, that was a weird goal. He didn't have a good night, I think. that That, that was one of the yeah. takeaways was... And he's been great all year, so he was due, I guess, for a bit of a stinker. I mean, I guess the game. He was in Ottawa, electric but was... in the first period, though. You got to like, you got to admit that there was a couple oh, in the I... first period that probably yep. should have been behind him. Oh, absolutely. I think there was like the one Hall really early. He had a good opportunity. Pasternak had a couple good chances. The one, well, Pasternak after he absolutely walked Morgan Riley and, and made him look silly, and then <laughs> you know stops him on the on the breakaway. That was a really good save. And I think, yep. I think there were some faint Sammy sounds. You think coming. you think? Does I Jonas think, think he thinks? He may thought about, he may thinking whatever he says. The things I think I think, there may have been some Sammy chants. Very faint, though. So it's not catching on mainstream yet, but there are some people out there that are giving him some Sammy love. I did hear it. I like it. It only, only was around in the first period because then... It dropped off after that. Like it, it, that was the big difference last night, like goaltending, right? Linus Allmark, there's a reason why he's the best front runner. There's a oh reason why gosh, he's going to the All-Star yeah. game. And all of a sudden, you look on the other end, not a good night from Samsonov. Um, you, I, I, four out of the five goals, probably want back. Yeah, we're going to have Craig join us in the next couple minutes here, Cam Jansen, uh, a little bit later on in the show, uh, AB, but... 
I don't know. It's just kind of a sad taste in our mouths today, headed into the all-star break. And you're not going to put too much stock into this one because, you know, the guys were half mentally with, with Craig Button in, in Cabo for, for the latter half of that game, at least. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, what are we really ultimately, do you think, going to take away from this game? Like, do you, did you feel like it was a, a benchmark game the way we were teeing it up to be? Is there anything specifically? And I know uh, we'll get to it with our stays and our goes, but... Yeah, you know, it's tough to, I guess, evaluate it just knowing that, like, Austin Matthews wasn't there. And, and, right. and Matthews was such a, a big part of both of the games prior that they had played this year. You know, the first one in Scotiabank, he scored the, the lone two goals in the 2-1 win, right? Yeah. He was a big part of the game when they were in Boston a couple of weeks back. So you take Austin Matthews out of the lineup, like, it's it's going to going to hurt you obviously so it looked like the lead i think mark masters actually put it best i was listening to him on on jay on sc last night and he said that the maple Leafs, specifically in the third period looked like a team without their best player playing the best team in the league and that is right. kind of what it looked like in the third period there they just lost their focus and and maybe they did have an eye on cabo or miami whatever it may be where the bruins a, a well-oiled machine a focused veteran group they definitely were not thinking ahead. That was a team that was motivated. They lost three straight for the first time going into it. And when they had a 2-1 lead going into the third, they said, all right, let's not coast. Let's you know put the foot on the gas here and make sure we come away with the win and snap this kick going into the break. Yeah, what was the stat there? They hadn't lost four in a row since something like 2018-2019. Crazy. Uh, so <laughs> it wasn't likely that they were going to drop that one last night, especially with Austin Matthews out of the lineup, and, and that was the case. Also worth noting, I think, A.B., that, that Samsonov, I forgot to mention, was under the weather yesterday. So uh, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, especially after such a, such a good first period that he had. Um, and with that, shall we bring him in? Our TSN hockey analyst, all the way from, not Calgary, from Cabo right now, Craig Button, our Cabo correspondent here at TSN. How's it going, sir? It's going good. I'm on my break. I, I love think it. the music we're hearing is actually coming from Craig's end. Is this, can you confirm, Craig? Is this coming from your end here? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not it's coming from your end, not my end. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the day-to-day routine, Craig, in Cabo? Is it you wake up, you, you go to breakfast, and you play a little pickleball? Has there been golf involved? Give us the, the day-to-day Craig Button routine in Cabo. Yeah, well, it's it's totally laid back. I mean, there's uh, no bad days. You just wake up and let the day unfold as you see it. Uh, my daughter and her husband, they went diving this morning. Uh, uh, they went golfing the other day. We played pickleball. We've been by the beach. You know, and just just lounging. That's what we're doing. We're lounging. And there's no there's no clock. You just kind oh. of just let it, let the day the unfold. And when the, and when the and when the sun goes down, the stars come out and just takes you into nighttime. That's such a great Corona, line. I go I go from Corona sunrises to Corona sunsets. <laughs> nice, nice. Staying away from the line. tequila sunrises. The tequila oh. sunrises can get a little dangerous, so I appreciate the staying between the lines, <laughs> yeah. Craig. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I have to. <laughs> Uh, so, Craig, um, you know, last night's game was an interesting one for the Maple Leafs. They ended up losing 5-2 to Boston. I don't think we're going to overreact over one game or anything, but, you know, as a former general manager in the league, like how much do games like that matter when you're evaluating your team against, you know, a contender, the top team in the league that you'll have to likely face in any path to postseason success? I mean, if you're Kyle Dubas, are you 
evaluating that game and pulling things out and realizing, okay, this is what we need going forward? I think you have to, A.B. I, I, I think when you when you're, know what your path is and you can see it so clearly – you know, if you know, and you're going to have to find uh, the areas of your team that you can, you know, strengthen. And I don't think there's any question. You know, Sheldon Keith again. He, he said it after they lost to Boston last time. He said it again last night. He goes, "Yeah, we're close. Close ain't going to cut it for the Leafs. Not going to cut it. Close doesn't mean anything. You know, respecting the handshake line means nothing. So <laughs> these are really, really uh, instructive games for everybody." And mostly for Kyle Dubas, where are our strengths? How do we manage it? And 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 where do we need reinforcements? I I, I think a game uh, such as last night is, is, is a critically important game for Kyle Dubas. Yeah, it's one game in the schedule. Yeah, it's not going to change things in terms of the standings. I'm talking about them catching Boston, but it, it, it is a big time instructive game for Kyle Dubas because I'll reiterate. Respecting the handshake line, coming close, doesn't cut it. And it certainly ain't going to cut it for this Maple Leafs team. Oh, deep cuts there, Craig. Deep cuts into Leafs Nation with comments like that. But <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, though. Like, cut? Let me ask no, you I know. But why is it a deep cut? It's reality. And if you don't want to deal with reality, then just stay in, 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 just stay in your fantasy world. Stay in the fantasy world. The Leafs keep, they've had a good season. I'm not talking about you, AP. I'm not talking about you. Oh, I know. I'm, talking, I'm using it in a general sense. I'm, what I'm saying is, is like, you know what? Like, they, they've clearly stated what their goals are. They've clearly demonstrated that they're a good team. Mm. Are they good enough? Well, I guess Coming that's... Points, that's... It, doesn't make it, it doesn't make it any better. Yeah, and I guess that's the question that they has to answer over the, the final 30 games of the season post-All-Star break. But to you, Craig, like Sheldon Keefe was asked, you know, how close he thinks the Leafs and Bruins are. He said, you know, in a game-to-game, you know, relatively close, but in a big margin, not so close. The Bruins are 40 goals better than any other team in the league, I believe is what he said. So, like, when you look at these two clubs and, and when you kind of look at last night's game and, and the way that they've played against some of the top-tier teams, what separates the Bruins from the Leafs, like where did the Leafs need to improve over these final thirty games to get themselves in position to contend and possibly win a seven-game series against this team? Yeah, and I, I, I think you're right. I, it's like I, I don't think there's any question they can contend, but this isn't the Maple Leafs of 2017 or 2018, where they were a young team and you know coming close was really important for their growth. This is a team now that has clear expectations. So when we talk about, like, you know, a team, so think about last night's game. Tell me the point in time. Think back to when Austin Matthews was playing a couple weeks ago when when they lost in Boston. Tell me where in the game there was any kind of lag in Boston's effort, in Boston's approach. The speed, the, 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 the discipline, the hardness of their game, the competitiveness, all the way. Tell me where there wasn't any... Where, where there was a lag all the way through their lineup. Yeah, I know there is, and you're going to find stretches. But all in all, when you're looking at it, right, like the Boston Bruins make it really difficult to, to, get, to get a dent against them. Yeah. And, yeah, you're going to give up a goal here. The games are going to be close. To, when, when you have good teams, and make no mistake about it, Tron. So, like, to me, like, you know, the, the, the offense isn't an issue. They've shown they can play really good defense. And now it becomes a case of, what gives you and, and, and the improvements might be three percent, 
might be 4%, might be 2%. But those are the margins that matter. And, you know, last week when I was talking on the show, you know, when I said, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a great template, a great template. And, you, you know, they had Kucherov and Stamkos and Point and Palat and, and what did they, and they said, wait a sec, we, we need something different that's going to improve our team in, 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 in really measurable ways. Coleman comes into the mix and uh, Goudreau comes into the mix and, and that complements Yanni Gord. And I think that that's where the Toronto Maple Leafs have to find a way to become a, a, a harder team to play against. Harder doesn't mean that you got to be physically imposing and physically hitting all that. I'm talking about harder to play against. I'm talking about, you know, where, the, where your opponent just has no opportunity uh, to, to, to get a breath, to, to go, huh, it's just relentless. And I, I, there's different ways to be relentless. And I think that that's where Kyle Dubas has to look at his team and say, this is the areas where we can strengthen our team and look at different types of players that can, that can fill that role. Yeah, that's a great point about the minor improvements on every player. We had Judd Surratt on yesterday who does play-by-play for the Bruins on the radio, and, and he said that was the biggest difference in the Bruins this year, that every every piece of their roster got just a tiny, tiny bit better, and, and that's resulted in this major jump this year. Uh, we're with Craig Button, our TSN hockey analyst right now and our director of scouting at TSN. So you mentioned how Boston is relentless uh, all the way through their lineup. They're hard to play against, and Devontae Smith-Pelly, when we had him on last week, said something to the effect, of in the postseason, the best players on both teams sometimes cancel one another out. And, and that was kind of the case last night. Like, it wasn't Marner got a goal, but it wasn't Marshawn. It wasn't Pasta. It was like Carlo and Zach. I got a couple. Greer. It, it was mostly the depth guys that made the difference in that game last night. So, my question to you, Craig, is if you think the group as it is right now is enough to compete in the postseason. And I'm mostly talking about the depth, or if you think there's some, some room to upgrade down there and, and what you think that upgrade would look like if it, if it looks grittier or, or what the case may be. So I'm the first thing I'm going to do. I refute that the best players cancel each other out. Okay. And all, I, all I'm going to all I'm going to do is is tell you if that's the case. Why is the why are the best players the ones that always win the Conn Smythe Trophy? Why are the best players always the ones that well, lead the playoffs in scoring? I, so I think you can look at that in two different ways, right? So you can say cancel each other out. Like last night, I would say it was from a lack of production. But, you know, sometimes it's they keep up with each other also, so then it's, okay, what type of secondary scoring right, if can you get, three, right? if Marshawn's getting three, and they're, they're going back and forth. But then Zaka gets two, and Engvall gets nothing. Now you exactly. get a 5-3 hockey game. Yeah. yeah you're right. I'm just saying I, 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 I don't buy into it. I think, that you're, I think that every player on your team needs to play to the best of their abilities. I don't think the best players cancel each other out. Because, you know, when you, when, when you look, yeah, you, you need to be deep in your lineup. I'm not refuting that. Mm-hmm. But the best players, the top players, are always the top scorers. They're always the con Smite Trophy winners for the most part. They're always the guys that are, the, 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 in the vast majority of cases, are, are the difference makers. Because that, that's, and, and coaches say it all the time, oh, your best players have to be your best players. My feeling is that's true, and I think you, all your players have to give you the best of what they have all the way through their lineup. Teams win because they're deeper through their lineup because they don't give you a chance to breathe. When, when you have a team, when, like if you just think about Toronto's defense, three pairs of defensemen, right? tell me where they can sit on the bench and think, oh, okay, next shift will be a little bit easier when you're playing the Boston Bruins. They, they, they never have that luxury. And uh, 
you know, DSP, he can go back to his Stanley Cup winning team in 2018, and he was a part of that, playing deeper down the lineup. Teams didn't get a chance to get a breather against the Washington Capitals all the way deep down the lineup. Yeah, players chip in and score, and they add some important goals at different points in time. There's no question about that. But to become harder to play against is not giving your opponent a breather, not not being able to uh, to uh, have the opportunities that they create go against you. You, you. you know, sometimes it's just about just holding your ground. It's not even so much about, you know, uh, advancing. It's about saying, you're not pushing against us. You're not going to get an opportunity. So how does that happen? It happens in, in your discipline. It happens in your, in your one-on-one battles. And when I say one-on-one battle, sometimes the one-on-one battle is, I'm getting to that spot on the ice before you. I'm getting there before you so that you don't get an advantage on our team. And, and there's, there's hundreds of those plays in the course of a game. And in the playoffs they become magnified because you've eliminated 16 teams right from the beginning of the playoffs. And as you go deeper, obviously the better teams are moving on or the teams that are playing better move, move on. And you never know what play is going to be the most critical or the most important. So you better treat everyone as critically important. And that requires a discipline. It requires a, a real significant, what I call digging in. And, and you don't have to be big. You don't have to be, you know, it's not just about finishing your checks. It's not just about blocking shots. It's about everywhere. Everywhere, those details and those disciplines of making it hard. And you can make it hard with skill. You can make it hard with physical play, with size, with speed, with quickness. All those things, they would, all, all those areas of your team can become stronger. And to your point, Julia, like they, they talk about like what Judd said was just moving a, a little bit further, 2% better, that becomes significantly, uh, that becomes significant come playoff time and certainly in the big games. So I guess what I'm asking more so when it comes to the Leafs' depth is do they have the characters in their bottom six to make it hard every shift and, and to be ferocious uh, on their opponents and, and dig in when it comes to the postseason, if you think so? I don't think they do. And I don't think they're blue line. I think they need a little bit of help on the blue line. I, I said last week, I think they need a second line or a first line left wing or somebody that can play on the first line. That's nothing against Michael Bunting, but you know what? Like, you know, you, if they, like, if I looked at their team and said, what would be the three areas that I would like to add to their team? A size left winger to play with Tavares on that line. That, that would be, that, that would be, that would be one big priority. Uh, a third-line center with some size and some weight and a, and a, and a Jake Muzzin-type defenseman on the blue line. Are those all possible, you know, with the salary cap situation? Not. So how do you, how, how, again, how do you prioritize, you know, those areas of your team and, and, and how do you achieve those goals? That's how I look at their team, and I think that that would give them, like, like a real significant advantage. So, so let's look back. Let's look back last year. What did, what did Colorado Avalanche do? Josh Manson. Yep. Then they add, then they add Archery Lepernin, speed. Archery Lepernin wasn't a, isn't a big guy, but he adds that speed element. Andrew Cogliano, speed helps out your fourth line. Now you're deeper. Now you're, now you got more, more, more things to throw at an opponent. And then you think about the Tampa Bay Lightning. They had Brandon Hagel. They had Nick Paul. And 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 those are your two Stanley Cup finals. Like the players I just named are are, are not players that, like, are, are, are going, like, wow, can you believe what they just did? 
they're significant, though, to improving your team in those areas. And I think that's what the Toronto Maple Leafs have to do to put themselves in a better position to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning first and foremost. And if they can do that, they can get past the Boston Bruins. But, Julia, I don't think they have it right now. Yeah, it's, it's a conversation that we were having yesterday, and we are using, actually, Rasmus Sandin in particular as, as kind of a, a player to look at where, you know, could they use a different element, um, you know, on the back end? And, and last night, I don't think he had a good night. He was a dash three alongside Timothy Lilligren playing against the Boston Bruins. And you could just look at this team and realize, okay, do they have that element of physicality on the back end that you talk about, that Jake Muzzin replacement? And, you know, sometimes the conversation we were getting into was maybe the upgrade isn't necessarily a skills upgrade on Sandine, but you can upgrade kind of the minutia of your team in, in complementary ways by adding that type, a different element to your lineup. Totally agree, uh, A.B. And, you, you know, again, so I, I'll take you into a little bit of, the, of, of, of an opponent's scouting preparation for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Beautiful. without a Jake Muzzin type, we're just going to zero in. It's seven game series. You know, you're the most, like you know, you're in for you're in for a longer series, right? We're just going to zero in. We're we're going to try to reduce Rasmus Sandin from game one to game two to game three to game four. How are you going to do that? You're going to make him turn for pucks. You're going to be hard on him. You know, when when, when he's on them, you're going to put pressure. On him. You know, you, you you can hit him or you can just force him to have to expend a lot of energy. Lean on him. Get to the front of the net. Lean on him. Lean on him. Lean on him. That's where size can help you, and size matters. Make no mistake about it, size matters. So now, so now by doing that, Rasmus is a good player. Rasmus is a talented player. He's a competitive player. He's not going to fold, but you're trying to wear him down. You know, the player, if, if you've got players that are going to fold, then you've you, you got nothing. And, you know, I, I don't worry about the leash in that regard. I, I, I don't think they're going to fold, but can you wear him down? I definitely think you can. And I think that's where you look at a, a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs and go, "This is where we're gonna. This is where we're gonna grind them. This is where we're gonna try to exploit them." And it's not about running them out of the rink or, you know, all this big hits and physicality. It's just about constant, constant pressure, pressure. Make them feel pressure all the way through, regardless of who's out there. If you got speed, pressure them with speed. If you got size, lean on them. If you got, if you're gonna be physical and hit, and then hit them. All those things just coming at you all the time, all the time. It's a series, and, and you're trying to get to four wins. That's what you're trying to do. And through that course, you're trying to get to a spot where you're wearing down your opponent. And that, to me, is, is to, and to your point, A.B., that's where you, you try to add different elements because you're also going to alleviate not only a little bit of the pressure on those players that the, the other teams may be trying to spotlight, but you're also taking the bird because now Morgan Riley might have to do more. And then what does that mean? Now that's where you try to, you're trying to, you know, take a team. And when I use the word reduce, you're trying to reduce the effectiveness of a team come playoff time. The chat with Craig Butner, TSN hockey analyst. And Craig, you know, jumping off of that point, I remember a couple of weeks ago, we were having a conversation about Matthew Nyes and if he would trade a big asset and who you would go and get. And you threw out the name Lawson Krauss. And I kind of, I wouldn't say scoffed at it, but I was surprised by that name just because it felt as though that might be a little bit of an overpayment for, for that player, just knowing, you know, the type of prospect and asset that Matthew Nyes is. Now, I'm not saying that I still think that, but I'm starting to come around on that only because when we talk about, 
you know, the Tampas of the world. They seemingly overpaid for the right guy. So I don't know if Lawson Krause is the right guy, but going back to this conversation that we've been having, you know, maybe you have to give up a little bit to get those, you know, bulkier, bigger pieces in a way. I just wanted to let you know that I'm starting to come around on your Lawson Krause idea because of that. And I mentioned Lawson as a name. Lawson, I mean, obviously Lawson has term left on a contract. I think he's at $4.3 million. But I even heard Cal Dupas talk about, you know, adding a player with some term that'll be here over time would help them. So, you know, can, can, can you do that? I mean, there's obviously going to be salary cap gymnastics and, you know, some calculations that need to happen to add players with term. And that I know that. But, I, I, again, we, we, we say overpayment. So, what, what is the price of winning the Stanley Cup, A.B.? Well, that's it. But if they don't win, then you look at it. You got egg on your face. That that's the only problem, no, I, right? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I don't think you do have egg, because you know what? The players. Sarah Savard Senior told me this long, long ago. The players always know and they know first. And yeah. I, I'm talking about what they're, they're looking at their team. They know what can help them, and and and, and they and they get excited by things that can help them. Yeah, there's only one team. You're not going to get egg on your face if you're going for it. But, but but everybody says the price of winning is high, and if it was if it was low, everybody would do it. So we, we can all rationalize and 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 try to defend. Okay, well that's too much. For that I, I said last week, the Tampa Bay Lightning traded Nolan Foot, a first round draft pick that, that, that they held in high regard, and a first round draft pick for Blake Coleman. They traded yeah. a first round draft pick for Barkley Goudreau, and oh my lord, look look what they traded last year to get Bradman Hagel. Like just, just look at what they did there. So I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting that there's that, that you're just willing nilly in terms of trading. But you know, I, I hear a lot of teams, and I've heard it for years, talk about, oh, geez, yeah, we want to win. And when it comes time to pay the price to try to win, oh boy, people are reluctant. And then they talk yeah. about how hard it is and everything. So that's I'm just saying, you're right. I'm just not like it's hard to win. And if you want to win, there's a price to be paid. I understand that. I think what I just look like those three in particular. I mean, those those put Tampa into a, a Stanley Cup final and won two Stanley Cups with those guys. I think more so looking at it from a lease perspective. And everybody always goes back to the Nick Foligno deal. They were trying to win. They gave up a first round pick to go and get Nick Foligno, and it didn't work out. And now that trade is looked upon much more negatively than it was at the time. But if they had won a Stanley Cup, I don't think anyone's complaining. No, I, I don't disagree with you, but that's the beautiful thing about hindsight. We know exactly what we should have done or what we shouldn't have done. Right. You, you don't get the you don't get, <laughs> yeah. you don't get the benefit of hindsight right now, right? <laughs> like I, I know what the Lotto Max numbers were on Tuesday. Guess what? I needed to know them before the draw on Tuesday, <laughs> not after, right? So, and, and that's uh, like like I said, it's not about being reckless. It's not about being willy nilly. It's about it's about understanding. Okay, here's where we're at. Here's what I can do. And, and like, your, your point about Nick Foligno, like, that was – the problem with Nick was he was injured. He never got into the lineup and was healthy. And I, I, I think we never got the best uh, – the Maple Leafs fans never got to see the best of Nick Foligno. Nick Foligno is playing pretty darn well right now for the Boston Bruins. And you know what's even more amazing about that? He was on waivers at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, true. you know what? Like, you, you're right. Like, you know, in hindsight, we're going to look at it. Oh, geez, they didn't win. But – Kyle Dubas gave his team a chance, and, 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 and to me, he improved the team. Oh, are we losing Craig? 
We might be losing Craig. Oh, no. He's out Cabo. 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 Well, I think we lost you towards the end there, Craig, but I think we got the gist yeah. of uh, okay. uh, of what you were saying there. And, yeah, like, uh, I believe Kyle Dubas will give his team a chance to win. Like, they've, they've got picks and prospects, and let's be honest, there's, there's a – there's a window here and a, a time clock when you look at Dubis and this core. So, you know, he kind of has to realistically to make a splash or do something to give this team a better chance to win. And based on last night, they're still just, they're missing something. They're missing something. And he's got to figure it out uh, potentially over the next couple of days as the Leafs are on a break. Actually, do GMs get this break? Do they go away to Cabo or is this a busy time for general managers? No, it's a busy time, A.B. Yeah. I don't think GMs are going on vacation. Not now. Maybe maybe on March 4th, but not before March 4th. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, enjoy your vacation. Thank you for taking the time to uh, away from your vacation. And uh, have, uh, have a nice drink for me today on the, you on the beach. You can count on it, A.B. I'll have one for Julia, too. Thank you so much. And Steph, too, the whole crew. The whole crew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that's a lot now. <laughs> All right, Craig. We'll chat later. Take care. There he goes. Craig Button, TSN Hockey Analyst, enjoying life on a beach right now in Cabo. Man, am I jealous of that guy. It's like minus 10 outside today. It is supposed, oh, to, be, yeah. it's supposed to be like minus 20 this weekend at some the, point the polar vortex is on the way it's it's hit up north oh, already it's like more, minus 40 in thunder bay and kenora and stuff right now it ain't so good. do you so i'm curious actually like do you not find this too too bad then like you grew up with some pretty harsh weathers up north like are you all good with the maybe that's why we have a difference in opinion when it comes to the weather in the winter like you well grew, our difference of opinion up. is that we live in canada so sometimes it's cold and it snows and like hey. it's just kind of the way that it is hey, i did not ask my parents to birth me in in you know the cold what? weather country, okay? I have, a sim- I have similar beef. I remember saying to my grandmother when she was still alive, like, no, no, why? I'm supposed to be selling olives on the Italian culture side, and I'm yes. freezing my ass off in Thunder Bay? Like, yes. what What went wrong here? Should we be beaching the Amalfi Coast right now. That would exactly. be beautiful. Yeah, I've got Amalfi blood. What are we doing here? But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, uh... It's kind of a dry cold in in southern Ontario, I find. Yeah, it And is. It, it, it bites the same way. Even if it's, like, minus... 10 here say and it's minus 30 at home i don't find it they're both cold like i'm not feeling my hands either way i'm cold so cold yeah. is cold yeah it seems to be like a big wind chill and yeah especially like when we're downtown by the by the lake with the uh, lake in between all so. the buildings yeah it's brutal <laughs> it can be brutal <laughs> uh all right so why don't we take a quick break when we get back let's, let's dig into last night's game a little bit more stay or go Coming up on the other side, we'll also be joined by Cam Jansen in the 1 o'clock hour. And uh, we got our Thursday three-pack to unpack as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Desherios and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Here. No, you stay here. You gotta get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. Let's go. We'll get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. 
avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasemusters.com as we welcome you back in to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050, and we'll start digging back in, A.B., to the 5-2 loss last night to the Boston Bruins. Stays and goes. Shall yep. we start Where with stay? Start? I can't decide. I can't decide what the vibe is. It's Groundhog Day. Like, is that a positive <laughs> day? Is it a negative day? Well, I think uh, the was it Wireton Willie? He saw the sh- he saw a shadow. So does that mean sorry? Did have... he die? Like, did he? Di- did they replace Wireton Willie over the winter? What was the forum one there? There was Groundhog drama this morning. They could do that. Oh, Isn't Nick, he, uh... please tell me. Nick, hop in, buddy. Okay, so Wyerton Willie is one of many groundhogs that do this around North America, but the one in Quebec, uh, his name is Fred, they had the whole ceremony, everything was going, the, the, the groundhog was dead. And it was dead in its little cage? <laughs> they didn't realize it until when they were about no. to bring him out. So They that, thought was he was whole, hibernating? That was a whole issue. So, <laughs> You know oh, who they needed wow. in that moment of dire need for a hero? They needed Puxitani Al's brother. Oh, God, let's not revisit that conversation. <laughs> this is my dad's favorite thing in the world, and my dad a loyal Overdrive listener, so I, I think that it's like a common theme. I, I don't think that we can let the OD boys forget about Puxitani Al's brother. I'll have to send O-Dog a text at some point today, because that was like one of my favorite things that has ever happened. Yeah, that was... There's been a lot of, like... Al's brother nicknames the Pugsatani Al's brother was definitely but there was this one whole notion of legs. you like being in a wheelbarrow and O Dog wheeling you around <laughs> in your little groundhog costume like yeah. it's the best well, thing I've ever heard in my life. It, it was like opening up golf courses like if oh there was thing God. golf courses open up six weeks earlier or something like that yeah that's that was the uh, the the point of it I believe. Um, but or hiring you for birthday parties and entertainment? Oh, right, that was it. Oh, Opening up yeah. golf courses <laughs> and entertainment. Because I'd like to hire you for my birthday. It's upcoming, and I'd prefer oh, it if you were dressed as a groundhog at the celebrations. Okay. I just don't see that happening, Julia. Ah, uh, but maybe, but maybe. Now let's get back in actually to the Boston Bruins Maple Leafs game last night. Five-two right. loss for the Leafers. Let's start with says. I think they're a little bit briefer, um, and I think we both kind of. There's a conversation to be had about the Simmons fight. Like, it probably wasn't necessary for the goal scorer, who, who's not really a fighter, to get his face beat in. But I think it created a serious momentum shift for the Leafs. Like, Simmons fighting in that moment was like peak Simmons doing his job and creating a little spark for the Leafs team. Well, that's, that's why he's there, right? Yep, like, that's, exactly. that's why he's in the lineup to create that spark. It, it was a very op- like. That's when Toronto needed it. I have no idea why AJ Greer granted that fight, though. Like no. he literally, like he just scored, made it three-one. Momentum's with Boston, and all of a sudden, you're going to drop the mitts on the ensuing face-off with the Wayne train, Wayne Simmons. I, I just, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. We're gonna have Cam Jansen on in the next hour, and you know he's someone who dropped the mitts one or two times throughout his career. I gotta ask him like why he thinks that AJ Greer had that fight because you you know that Jim Montgomery is looking at him and probably saying why the hell did you do that because a you, you got your bell rung by Wayne Simmons but also they gave the momentum to Toronto they go and they score the goal Callie Yarncroft yep. makes it three two and all of a sudden okay it's now tilted they obviously did not uh, well, take advantage of it because Zaka scored moments later also to make it 4-2. to two. We'll, we'll get into those with the goes. But that was a really strange 
time to fight for Greer. I, I still am not sure why he took that fight. Befuddled, if you will. It didn't make yeah. any sense at all. It's a good question That's, for what? You were, you were talking about me using a word last week, peculiar. You've dropped befuddled a few times Twice. here lately. Yeah, it's just a funny word to say. Say it one time. It kind of sounds like puddle. Like I don't know. I just like the word. It's great. <laughs> it's great. It's fun coming, coming off the tongue. It's staying um, in Julia's vocabulary. That's, that's a stay. Sure. You can't get yeah. rid of it. Um, Samsonov, tough second, tough third, but he kept it in him. Kept him in it, rather, in the first. Yeah, like, I mean, the way that Samson played in the first period was was electric. And I thought, like, okay, he's in one tonight. He's going to have himself a game. We're going to we got a goalie battle on our hands is what I was thinking after the first period. It was nothing-nothing. You know, Samsonov had faced 13 shots. I think there was, like, seven or eight good scoring chances. Um, there was the one in on, on Hall that was in tight, and he made a couple other stops. And then the Pasternak one late in the period on the breakaway after he danced Riley, which is a go. Um, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, this guy's, he's got it. Like, his his head is in the game tonight. He's on his A game. And then, boy, did it ever slip after that. Uh, the second, third period, it can go from Sansonov. It, it really, it wasn't a good period. And, and he was doing his best Matt Murray impression. A couple, uh, couple of goals going high glove there. Yeah. Um, but for me, the, the most egregious one was that fourth goal by Pavel Zaka. You can't allow a goal from 50 feet from the net you just you just can't allow that especially right after you score to cut the lead to three to two and take some momentum back in that game like there was there was life back in that building and yeah. then you allow a, a, a you know a crappy goal like that and then you know the game was kind of over at that point yeah but good first and, <laughs> yep um bunting interesting character last night you've got him in your goes uh, we'll talk about that in a second. I have him in my stays because the notion of just having a guy that cares that much, that wears his emotion, like I, I praise John Tavares for being steady Eddie. We praise Austin Matthews for being steady Eddie, but sometimes we want a little bit more out of him. Like Michael Bunting really cares. And I, I don't know what the deal was in the postseason last year. Like was there, am I remembering correctly that he was maybe a little bit banged up and he yeah, didn't end he up as yeah, yeah. come back from an injury. Right. So he wasn't full Michael Bunting the rat mode. He wasn't in rodent mode, greasy rat, if you're Curtis Gabriel, uh, <laughs> giving him the name at the beginning of last season when, when he just came into the organization. But he really cares. And was he a little too much on the refs last night? Probably. Does he have reason to be pissed off last night? Probably. Does he have a reputation that's caused him to not get any calls going his way because he does have a tendency to dive a little bit? Yeah, definitely. All of these things can be true at once, but what's also true is Michael Bunting gives a major F. Like, he really cares, and he's willing yeah. to... He, he gets beat up in front of the net every single game. He's always going back to the net. He has major heart, and, and he just cares so much. So that's something I'd like to see stay because sometimes I want – we can talk about if he crossed the line last night. I, I understood why I was mad, but also I understand why refs are leery to give him calls now because they probably went through the tapes this summer. And, like, he he does have a little bit of a tendency to well, – I don't the, even know if I can call it diving, but, is, like, maybe embellish. The like, funny thing is, Michael Bunting, even still this season, leads the league in penalties drawn at 5-on-5. Five five. Does he still? Yeah. <laughs> like at wow. five on five, I think Pierre Luc Dubois leads the league in all situations, but at five on five, Bunting does. And technically, he did draw one last night, right. but it took that maul at the end of the Yarncroft goal. So they, it was it was coincidental minor, so it wasn't really drawing a call. But I think Brian Hayes had a great tweet 
saying something to the effect of uh, the Boston Bruins could literally pick up Michael Bunting and chuck him into the third row and yeah. still wouldn't get a penalty call. Because, <laughs> like, I, I understand his frustration because, I mean, he literally got the butt end of the stick right to his beak, busted open his yeah. nose. That goes uncalled. And then a little bit later on in the game, he gets hauled down by Brad Marchand going in over the blue line. Like, that was very evidently a penalty. But he gets up and he just starts berating the refs on both occasions. And, you know, you got to think maybe that's in the back of their minds. And, he's, again, that reputation starting to build. And, you know, he's whining in a way is, is the way they might look at it. And it, it might be costing him some calls like we saw last night. I don't, you know, I, I don't know if that's the case. It kind of seems like it because I don't know how you, those don't get called. Like uh, from the press box last night, we all saw it and were surprised that they were not getting called. But then, you know, he threw a little hissy fit after those as well. It's like, yeah, well, maybe maybe that's why, because he's kind of making the rest look bad. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Like, all, I believe all of these things are true, but what's, like, true at, at his my core about Michael Punding is he gives, like, a bigger F than I feel like anyone on yeah. the roster. Like, he cares yeah. so much, he's always getting beat up in front of the net, and the next shift he's always back in front. So that's yeah. my Michael Bunting love for the day. And we can get to Even last goes. night, like, he was, he really, <laughs> he was going to the net. It wasn't very successful, because, by the way, we were talking about some hawks that they have on the team. We're thinking, who that? That Derek Forbert cat is a giant human. I forgot about <laughs> yeah. Derek Forbert, but I saw him on his skates last night, and I was like, "This guy's a mutant, an absolute mutant." And he was, he was, you know, going full uh, karate chopping on the back of Bunting last night. Brandon Carlo was getting in on it too. But to your point, Bunting always went back to the front of the net, so you do got to respect that. Um, yeah, I, I think like a couple of goes for me. They gave up nine odd man rushes last night, which isn't something that they've been doing of late. They've actually played some pretty solid defense. They've been playing above pucks for the most part last night. Maybe they got a little bit too cute and tried to jump up into the rush, and it, it kind of backfired on them when it didn't you know, go in their favor, and they would turn the puck over with guys in deep, some, a couple poor pinches, and they allowed a lot more odd man rushes than you know we typically see happen with the Maple Leafs, or at least that we've seen to this point. So that was something that you should probably clean up a little bit, uh, especially when you're taking on teams like Boston, who wait for you to make those mistakes and then capitalize on those opportunities. Yeah. Um, tough night for, for a pairing that's been good lately in Lilligren and Sandine. Like, they were fighting it. I thought Sandine particularly looked like he was having a hard time every time mm -hmm. the puck touched his stick. And, and like, I, I hate to rag on it too much because they've been really good. Um, and you never want to overreact to one game ahead of the All-Star break and uh, without their best player. But Sandine and Lilligren did look a little bit overwhelmed by their matchup last night. Yeah. And uh, I think it reaffirmed the belief that I had have that I and, and the, what we talked about with Craig and what you and I talked about yesterday that they don't necessarily need a more skilled defenseman than Sandine or Lilligren but maybe they need someone that provides a little bit m more just something different more was the wrong yeah. word a different element a little bit of grittiness a little bit of grease and, and maybe just even that calming presence of somebody who's been there because as much as we've seen Lilligren and Sandine become real NHL defenseman this season. Um, there's a gap between being a real NHL defenseman and a defenseman who's going to be really effective in a seven-game series versus the Tampa Bay Lightning and then hopefully the Boston Bruins, right? 
Right. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, there's 30 more games for them to, to prove to, not even actually, there's probably actually a month. I think we had a month tomorrow to the trade deadline. A month for them to prove that they can do that and they can be that playoff caliber pairing that can go up against you know some of the top guys. Because um, if not, you're right, Kyle Dubas might have to go uh, might have to go shopping and get himself a, a defenseman, which would inevitably probably push one of these guys out of the lineup. Um, not too sure who it is. It might depend on the righty lefty situation. Um, right. But that's that's definitely something that's going to be on the top of mind of Kyle Dubas as he kind of goes through you know his meetings with his, his scouts and figures out all right what do we need. And I think last night's game, if you're taking anything from it, it's okay. Maybe we do need some more, like a Derek Forbert type of mutant on the back end who also scored last night as well. Yeah. So, you know, potentially uh, they, they maybe look and get uh, get some more meat and potatoes on the back end there. All right, let's, uh, let's take a quick break on the other side. Um, we got to get into some of the antics that Brad Marchand was, was doing yesterday ahead yeah. of the game. We really do. And, 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 you know, maybe even talk a little bit about how, you know, it, this game of hockey. Like, I don't know if you saw this viewership. All right, we'll talk about it on the other side. we got a bunch of stuff to get into. Um, and then we'll also be joined by uh, Cam Jansen in the 1 o'clock hour as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Teixeira. You're some Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Handling our inner Craig button, I believe. Is the word befuddled in this song? I uh, it. Oh, no, wrong song. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Um, yeah, we can vacate next month, AB. We're going post-All-Star break, but we're both taking some time in the tropics in March. Yeah. Our own yes, like personal all-star break. Maybe I'll get myself an all-star hat to wear on the beach and call it my own Julia all-star break. Speaking um, of all-star break, before we get into uh, the rest of the news we're going to get into, my prayers have been answered, Julia. There is finally a defenseman on Team Atlantic. It's awful news that Tate yeah. Thompson will not be at the all-star break, but Rasmus Dahlin is replacing him there. So we finally have a defenseman on Team Atlantic, and I've been, I've been, I think I'm the only one who's been like upset by this, but I've been complaining about it for well since like the last month since they announced the teams that there's literally no defenseman represented. It's so dumb. Now we finally have one. Now I can watch the game. Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna go on strike. No, I, I completely <laughs> agree. You were gonna strike. Um, what what do you want to get to first? Uh, Marshawn's antics yesterday. Yeah, well, I don't, I mean, like, this guy just, like, he's so... He knows exactly what he's going to say when he knows he's going to get a microphone in his face in Toronto when it's going to go in SportsCenter and it's going to run for hours and hours and we're going to make a graphic out of it at TSN. Like, he knows what he's doing, and major respect to him for that. But uh, this is what he had to say about why the Bruins have been so good for so long. (laughs) Aw, oh, Nick, you missed it. But can you can you tee up that uh, Marchand audio and why the Bruins have been so good for so long? Thank you. You know, guys have, have tried to take less to win because we know that it, uh, you know, it leads to the lineup. If you can have 
six guys that make lower salary other than three, it's a lot harder to play against. Um, you know, and that's why we've been good for so long. Yeah, oh, thanks for the math God. lesson, eh? Like, like, he just knows how to, and he only says it's in Toronto. I, bet. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm assuming that he knows when he rolls into Toronto, he's got, like, a laundry list of things that he wants to do, and he did it, right? Yep. Had a little chat about Marner, talked about, oh, yeah, you know, we talk about his dogs and video games and all the stuff that Marner publicly says, yeah, this is all I talk about with my friends, right? And he, yeah. he knew that. Like, he knew that. So that's what he said. That's what they talk about on the ice. And then comes out and just throws the biggest dagger about, you know, the Boston Bruins and how they all took pay cuts. And it's allowed them to be successful because then they can build out their roster. And, like, it, it's not that he's wrong, but he is saying that in the right market for a reason. Um, exactly. To, like he said, he said specifically three players. Like, come on. It was yeah. so. By the way, you forgot about John Tavares' 11 million. <laughs> by the way, there's four guys making a ton of money, actually. <laughs> Brad, if we're yeah. going to get uh, into the nitty gritty of the semantics. But yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing yesterday. He like eviscerated a couple members of the media on Twitter. He was just in full rat form. Sometimes yeah. I just scroll through his mentions on Twitter to see who he's been chiming in on recently, and he's just—he's just—he just, he's just he just there's like a week, a week of the season where he decides, and it, maybe it corresponds <laughs> with with you know the upcoming All Star because it was around this time last year where he was starting to become like this uh, the the guy you you hate to love in a way because remember when he was having that situation on Twitter with the Carolina Hurricanes and Vincent Trocheck. And he was just showing some personality, which is something you don't necessarily ever see in the National Hockey League. So, um, but it seems like one week of the year, he he just decides to go, I don't know, full troll mode. And yeah. I'm, I'm honestly here for it. I think it's hilarious. And so I am think I. The NHL needs stuff like that. Yep. Like they don't have any personality in the game. So to have one of your stars, one of the better players in the league, to do this, um, one of the villains in the league at best. Like I think. It works best because he's a villain, right? Like he's yep. a heel of the league. So for him to 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 do that, to throw daggers at these, like he literally is like a wrestling heel right now, and he knows exactly what to say to rile up the fans. And I love it. I personally, I I do appreciate the what he's what he kind of has been doing the last couple of days, but. Yeah, it's not for everyone. I get it's not for everybody. But. I don't know. I feel like people are into it. Like Toronto's like kind of aggravated by it. From, but the read I'm getting on people is like, oh, we hate this guy, but he's kind of funny, and we're into this. Right. Right. It's almost exactly. frustrating. Like Brad, don't make us like you. We've hated you for so long. Like I was not. Now I've developed this kind of. Oh, he's funny. He's kind of harmless. But God, did I hate him in my younger years. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, we got to fly. We got uh, a whole second hour of the show coming up for you guys where Cam Jansen is going to join us. We also got a Thursday three-pack. Looking at my top three defensive targets. We looked at some forwards okay. last week, looking at defensemen this week, and I got to sell you on these guys. So we'll do that uh, on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Desherry. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.